0: Philosophy Friday, or is it John Frame Friday? Hmm, you tell me. All right, so hey, I hope you enjoyed that session with uh, Joe and Jimmy yesterday, and um and remember you got fred malone to look forward to tomorrow um on saturday but i'm usually with nick on fridays um just to shake things up a little bit before we get back into our normal uh, routine Uh, let me give you a quick update on uh the visit with john frame i mentioned it a few times and i thought maybe you'd be interested to know about it it is kind of a I don't know philosophy Friday thing. Uh, certainly, uh, John Frame has written a ton about that. We could, we would all do well to simply work through his um, history of Western philosophy. Uh, just, it's he's got a, I think he's got a free, um, yeah, he does. I've got a. Um, if I've just opened up my iTunes, you. What is it called? iTunes U course thing. And uh, there is, uh, where is it now? Yeah, the History of Philosophy and Christian Thought. Let me just make sure that one is John Frame. Uh, Yeah, John Frame. Yeah, that's the one I listened to a while back. um, And he's written a book about it. And so I've slowly tried to work my way through that. Haven't got quite through it yet, but it's really good. Um, And so if you did want to get into history of philosophy and um, or any philosophy... That would that would that would really be one of my recommended books. Um, just Frame Klein, you know. Asides, he's um, a frame definitely excels in and just brings it into a very simple sort of workable nugget. I just love the way he does that. Um, so that was that, and then of course he's written a ton on apologetics. Too much to go into now, but he's also we'll be talking about it on iTunes. You, uh, you can get his lecture series on Christian apologetics for free. Um, so, and he's also got something on ethics, but let's stick to apologetics for now. I actually read through or not read through, sorry, listened to the whole series, uh, on during the travel, uh, to the States. So it was super weird. I put it on 1.52 and I'm just blitzing through the whole thing. Kind of in and out of sleep at some areas of the flight, and uh, then I get out, then I get to the hotel, fall asleep first thing in the morning. I walk into his office and I see him in person, and and he was speaking so slowly, (laughs) and I remembered, oh wait a minute, I've become used to his his 1.5 slash two times speed voice, and uh, that was kind of funny, kind of weird as well. After you just been, feels like I crawled into his mind the whole way through, and then I was speaking to him in reality, so. Uh, there we go. Uh, but yeah, it was great. it was very, very exciting to to meet him, uh, just especially after having done all the reading uh, about uh, his life and just investigating into all the things involving him and Klein, just to get to ask some things in person. Um, a few comments. I won't take too long with this, but basically, um, you know, just, just wanted to make sure to mention that he was extremely gracious in just allowing that time and uh, very happy to talk to me and, you know, in no way, I mean, I've spoken to a few scholar figures now, and, you know, sometimes it is a real letdown. Um, I've had this experience a few times where, you know, they just do not want to be, they just don't care. And they just, well, maybe they're shy, I don't know, there could be a few different reasons for it. But, you know, there's a reason you get this ivory tower kind of idea where people just, the scholars, you know, they, they love books and not people. That often, I've, I've seen that's often the case. Um, it's not so with John Frame. Uh, very pastoral, very fatherly, very warm, very um, open to talk, very interested to know, very um, uh, open to, to communication, and uh, just email very accessible. Um, so hey, I really, I really like John Frame from that angle. I have a feeling, and this isn't a comparison contest, but I got a feeling if Klein were still alive, he would be less, less accessible, less warm than that. Uh, for a guy like me. So I just want to make sure to mention that. Um, and then also, you know, just we had a great talk, you know, him sitting in his office looking around and, uh, you know, I had to get this one article um, that you can't find anywhere. It's it's a, a reply to Greg Monson he wrote, uh, you know, many years ago. And uh, you can't find it on the internet. you Can't get it in libraries. Can't get it in journals anymore. And so we had to. He scours. He finds it in his old computer eventually, and and uh, sent the file to me. I had to unlock the old styled Word doc, you know, and sort of I'd put it onto the new one. So it's crazy. I mean, he went through a lot of effort to get that to me. Um, just quite exciting to have that now, and and um, just just um, just had that contact that he. Um, has allowed for me and then also uh just in terms of the discussion itself I mean it was just I came away feeling that um what I've grasped in his writings um are accurate it's not like what was while what I was getting from him in person was wildly different um and that's encouraging to me it means I'm reading him right and um <clears throat> even things like you know I asked him questions around uh his ironic tone, tone at least towards um, you know most theological positions, except for two kingdom theology, is a perhaps of um, does he need to apply a a um a tri rubric to that issue as well as other issues and he found that interesting he you know he was like i'm going to process that a little bit and just the idea of being a two kingdom tri-perspectivalist kind of fascinated him and so we had some really good conversations about that very helpful in guiding me in terms of the way i should go if i wanted to look at that some more um and and just um i think there's something there probably there's something he agreed that there is something just because he was you know it's his life, it's his drama, it's his, um, uh, inter, you know, personality conflicts with some of the guys on the Two Kingdom camp, um, you know, he admitted that it would be good for a, for a, someone else to come in um, and move the discussion forward. He doesn't carry the the baggage and, um, you know, represent a certain seminary or anything like that. Uh, well, a certain seminary that is involved in the drama and, um, and perhaps apply more of a um, an ironic perspective to both camps and find you know where they're where they're shooting past each other where they are um, overreaching and that sort of thing so I think he really liked the idea of the dissertation which um, uh, I'm preparing uh, which has to do with um, a comparison Uh, between Klein and Frame, and specifically over this issue of Two Kingdom Theology, just trying to push the discussion forward, I suppose, more than anything else. Um, And uh, hopefully that would be interesting to anyone who cares. Um, But I was going to say that... um, you know, what was interesting is that it kind of alleviated some of the fears that I had. You know, every he's been very associated with theonomy, and no theonomist would regard him as a theonomist, but but still, just uncomfortably close from a Kleinian perspective. With thinking frame, is just way down the line. Um, I wanted to probe him a little bit about where he was at in terms of just that basic two kingdom understanding, that basic rubric. Um, whether you know, should 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 the um, The magistrate have power over the church should the church have power over the magistrate and you know very interestingly and perhaps not surprisingly but just it is interesting that he's very uh, he is essentially um i'm not saying it's an escondido two kingdom guy but he is uh he is two kingdom in the broad historical definition of that Uh, so you know he doesn't want the state the magistrate to have um you know the ability to um he doesn't want let's put it this way he doesn't want the the, the church to have the power of the sword <laughs> and he doesn't want um the magistrate to have the power of the sacrament and any um power of the church I, I i for me personally it was just kind of therapeutic to hear that and it brought a level of sanity back to the discussion in that you know it's amazing that he could affirm that so clearly and i've read him affirm that uh, as well so that, it, that does appear in a few of of his books um but it's just that it's it's interesting that with that basic level of affirmation in place, still there's so much friction, and I think a lot of it is because Frame is quite contrarian on a few points, and he wants to make sure that there's a lot of things that um, that are, he wants to make sure that we understand. There's so much more to be explored, and he doesn't. It's not that he's disagreeing with the basic two kingdom ethos, but more that there is a um, a level of Nuance that is lacking um, uh, was was the way I understood it. Um, in other words, he he understands the ba- basic uh, thing that they're pushing, and uh, if pushed himself is in essential agreement with that with that essential uh, two kingdom idea, but taken to these, um, points of application, I think, uh, with secular and neutrality and civil realm and, uh, sacred realm and, and, and then looking at the way the Kleinians have developed this, uh, I think that's where the exception lies. And I think that's really interesting because it does it for me immediately. I'm thinking, well, I know that I've said this before. I feel like the Kleinians, uh, and here I'm talking about Horton and, and, um, who else? Van uh, Drunen and um, Fesco and uh, all those guys have probably gone a little bit beyond Klein at certain points. It's not bad necessarily, but they've just applied what he has said, where Klein didn't write about it. But um, it means the frame is is more against the Kleinians than Klein himself on certain points. And it's just for me personally that was helpful to remember. Um, The other thing is that when it came to Klein himself... I think uh, Frame just has a few points that he really wants to make sure Klein deals with and has not adequately dealt with, and um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because Klein wasn't dealing with it. It's just something that needs to be on the table. And the first thing is to do with this issue of natural law being a representation of the Decalogue. There is um, there is an essential equivalence that we're making between the the natural law and moral law and what is published at Sinai in the Decalogue, right? They're not exactly the same, but even under Kleinian scheme, they're very, very similar. And if we we're going to say natural law needs to rule the civil la- realm, how do we even know what that law is? Well, we, we know via what is published on the, uh, in the Decalogue, and we know that, you know, the first, first, summary all the first uh, four commandments have an upward direction and have to do with worship of god and so there is a sense that that frame is saying you can't ever really take biblical normative ideas from the secular realm we're always going to be interpreting it that way and um and uh and i know that many kleinians have responded with a sense of they're hearing this in that they understand that um that we can't just go ahead and say that the moral law you know governs civil society because that would be kind of a the- theocratic idea so like luther said for example the so the um civil government needs to use the last six of the commandments uh not the first four and you know and he acknowledged there's the, the the problem that if you use the first four you're essentially advocating some kind of theocracy but um but interestingly enough even in dividing it that way luther's allowing these biblical principles to govern natural law so frame saying look just deal with all of that and um take a look at at the ins and outs there because to ignore that completely means you think you have a solution when you, in fact you don't and I take that point. I think that's good. Um, so that's something I'll be thinking about some more. The other thing has to do with the um, this deg- well, Klein's categories of the non-holy and the holy, maybe like the the secular idea, secular and sacred. We often talk about. Um, interestingly, Frame uses an argument um, to talk about uh, the way in which or he uses Klein's argument to talk about the way in which all of the world is in some sense holy and is, um, uh, and I think we can understand that in that it's set apart for God's purposes and um, it's, you know, you have this gradation even in a holy, sinless world to Eden and uh, this intensification of God's presence and holiness there. Same thing with the temple, you start with this um, holiest of holy court moving through to the holy place and then the gentile outer courts and whatnot and um and yet all of the earth even though it has fallen is still in some sense holy and so i mean typical typical frame typical poethrus stuff they just break that nuance open as it were and they just explore a thousand different possibilities there and so that's one of frame's big things he's like um we just have to make sure that when we're using the categories it's not like he's even necessarily disagreeing with client's um, sharp distinctions between um, sacred and secular. But he is just saying that be, let's be careful not to equivocate or let's be careful not to um, you know, use our distinctions in the wrong sense, typically when he's thinking about the way in which these things are applied. Um, so it's. I think what's happening is he's feeling a lot of... He reads, let's say, something Horton puts out. He reads the strong following, it receives its uncritical acceptance and um, sees potential damage uh, that can be done if some of those nuances are not kept in mind and feels like it needs to push back just to provide a counterweight. And, you know, again, I feel that. I often feel that way. I just want to, you know, make the other point kind of like devil's advocates, you know just to make sure that it's balanced and we're not we're not just totally uncritically moving in a certain direction so that's something interesting as well and that was one of the big points he made and uh, one of the things I need to think about he recommended a few books there to read and to check out some more as to how exegetically it, you know Klein's categories fit uh, with within this uh, remaining nuance with regard almost like a gradation from um, uh, holiest to all being holy how do the two work how do clients categories work with those categories I think that's an interesting question and probably they're talking about different things and uh, we, we probably do have to be careful of equivocation when we're using um, those two different concepts, but there there might be an overlap there somewhere. And, um, so that was something I, I found very interesting talking to him. Um, and so other than that, you know, you just get a real sense of, of who this guy is, you know, um, he's a happy guy. He's a happy, laughing, warm, um, character sitting in his office just loving it just loving being retired loving just uh taking it easy and um you know just getting interested in the things you know what actually happened i um <laughs> i i went to um the library or at least the well i met the librarian um john method which was awesome as well uh we spent a little time together had a coffee had a chat but um I went to the bookstore and John Meth actually told me the, um, I think it was that day or that week, John Frame had actually dedicated his library to the, the RTS bookstore to be sold at like these really, um, you know, just ridiculously low prices. So very, very cool. Um, <laughs> super providential. Like some of the books are like, you can see his name written in there, um and um it's just very cool like i got this one book um written by gary Demar uh, t- talking about the debate over christian reconstruction old book i'm pretty sure it's frames doesn't have his name in it but yeah I got, a f- I got a whole bunch of books totally got in trouble coming back home too much weight but it was worth it um so that's some of what i have to say about that i, I have made a decision though with uh, regard to giving you any more updates about Frame, I'm going to let it ooze out rather than just try and make a ginormous uh, episode right now. Let me, um, there's so many things we talked about and so many things that were said. I think probably the best way for this to come out is just to come out when we are talking about that particular topic. And no doubt we'll get to it because uh, we're all about that high content level. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, I think that's already getting on. Uh, Yep, yep. The time is moving away from us. Uh, But that's Philosophy Friday. We'll be back with Nick next time. We'll carry on with whatever we were uh, doing last time. And uh, don't forget to check in on Saturday. Um, We've got Fred Malone. Great little interview by Nick. And then uh, hopefully from Monday forward, we will be back to normal um and so uh if you're interested stay tuned bless you guys uh if i don't get to talk to you i I won't talk to you uh tomorrow on friday so go to church on sunday don't forget uh, that is the highlight of it all but see you on monday bless you